Birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, these are the important dates most people tend to remember. The Parcast Network remembers important dates in true crime history. Today in True Crime is the new daily podcast from Parcast that takes you back to the most significant events in true crime that happened each day in history. And I'm happy to tell you that me and Desi are guest hosting an episode that drops tomorrow, January 29th. Parcast has been a pioneer in the podcast space, and there hasn't been a daily true crime show like this before, so we're excited for the opportunity to guest host. Be sure to follow Today in True Crime now on Spotify so you'll never run out of true crime content again. And don't forget to catch us as guest hosts tomorrow, January 29th on Today in True Crime. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. <laughs> don't don't pretend like you weren't just talking about something so fucking disgusting. I had to close the windows of my I house. I know. I was pretty, pretty disgusting. Well, um, well, we are going to start out the show by thanking our Patreons for the past week. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Jen, Abra, Brittany, Joshua, Tara, F, Laura, where is the line pod? What up, guys? Oh my God, guys. Thank you. Sarah, Julia, Ava, Ashley, Amanda, Susanna, Michelle, Nicole, and Susan. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. We just put a new episode up tonight. So, on Patreon. On Patreon. Yeah. So there's, I think I mentioned this last week, there's 100 bonus episodes now. 100 plus bonus. Yeah. So you have access to those immediately. And then we'll uh, have a Mysteries and Macabre episode coming to you on Friday. Okay. Cool. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to figure out what I'm doing for that episode. I thought you knew. I thought you told me you had something. Did oh, you change yeah. your mind? No, I didn't okay. change your mind. I just forgot. Okay. I just Great. have to research so now it. So now you got it. Now you know. I got to work on it. <laughs> so um, we wanted to expand the topics that we cover a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we talked about what, what else we could do. And so today you will be getting your first um, episode of Music versus Reality. And that is where we will um, find songs that are based on real crimes. And there's actually a lot of them. So there we'll pepper is. these in throughout the regular lineup. Um, this week on January 29th, it will be the 41st anniversary of one of the crimes that influenced a big hit song. And that is the Cleveland Elementary School shooting, which inspired the Boomtown Rat song, I Don't Like Mondays. I mean, it's like an 80s classic. So probably if you grew up in the 80s, you, it's more like a new wavy band type deal. Uh, but yeah, so that's with Bob Geldof. He probably can be like an episode with all the Michael Hutchins and Paula Yates stuff yeah. that happened. Uh, anyway, so this is basically, if you don't know the song, it's based on this incident that was one of the first major mass school shootings in the U.S. Now, I actually looked up mass shootings on Wikipedia to get like to see if it was one of the first. Rachel, it is that is a really depressing <laughs> Wikipedia page. I can only imagine. Because there were like a lot. They may not have been like mass shootings, but there was a lot of school shootings like throughout the 1900s and even in the 1800s. Really? Yes. Like I was shocked. Kids going into schools. I don't know what quite qualifies as a school shooting. Like um, maybe just one person got shot at school by another kid. But or, still. Yeah. It was just a lot. Uh, so this was... One of the first major mass school shootings, um, and obviously there's been a lot of school shootings since then. 
Uh, One of the more statistically interesting facts about this school shooting is that it was committed by a 16-year-old girl named Brenda Spencer. Now, usually we hear about men committing or boys committing these school shootings. Yeah, and I can't think of like... I'm sure there there have been, but I can't think of a, another girl. Not like a famous one. No. Besides this one. I know about this one. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to get into her story now. Um, Brenda Ann Spencer was born April 3rd, 1962 to Wally and Dot Spencer. She had two older siblings, Scott and Teresa. They were kind of a little bit older than her, not just like a two-year thing. I think they were maybe like five to six years older. Now, this family lived in a suburb of San Diego called San Carlos. Her dad worked at San Diego State University, and her mom kind of went to school initially to get her accounting degree, and then she ran an accounting business basically from inside their house. Now, people describe their relationship as like a real like opposites attract. Wally was very introverted, and Dot was sort of the extrovert social uh, party of that relationship. She was also a um, golf lover, and she got all of her children into the sport, and they were all highly ranked in the junior golf division. Um, In 1971, when Brenda was nine, she competed in a top division like national junior tournament. That's how good she was. She was very athletic. She played all kinds of sports. She rode bikes. She played baseball. She did like skiing. Uh, She was also an animal lover and dreamed of being a vet one day. In 1972, when Brenda was 10, Wally and Dot, uh, their marriage started kind of falling apart. He was an alcoholic and a cheat. The final straw for Dot was when he asked her if he could take a break from the marriage for a year. He had rented an apartment and was going to move out for a year. And then he's like, and I can come back in a year. Like, is that okay? (laughs) I'm sorry. Men are just so, come on, guys. Wow. Dot was like, nah, like... I don't think so. You either make it work now or well, not. and she basically files for divorce like a few days she later. She did file for divorce. Yeah, because this was like the final straw. Like he had been cheating and was drinking more and more and just like whatever, fucking up. Yeah. So she was like done. I mean, her name's Dot. That's the name of a woman who doesn't put up with shit, right? <laughs> In my opinion, Dot, come on. I mean I'm not fucking with a woman named Dot. I, I agree. <laughs> so their divorce is ugly. They have a massive custody dispute. Um, it's really down and dirty. The older kids eventually decide that they want to live with the dad. Now, because of that, the judge is like, oh, I don't want to separate the siblings. Brenda has to go with the dad as well so that they can all be together. But they don't know that she wanted that. Like she was like younger. Like I said, they're more like 15, 16, she's 10, which is a huge age difference. I think where you want your mom when you're like young. Right. Yeah. She moves into the home with her dad. Um, she starts going to the school that's literally right across the street, Grover Cleveland Elementary School, which she attends until 1974. Now, obviously the mom has visitation and Brenda goes to her mom's eagerly. Like there were stories about her like climbing over the fence and waiting for her mom to come home. Like she wanted to be with her mom. The visits became less and less frequent. And the mom, I think, got a little bit cold with her children. I don't really know why. I don't know if it's because she didn't have them and she wanted to separate herself from that. Maybe it was too painful or maybe she was just a cold woman. Like, I don't really know why there was no explanation for it. 
Um, but at this point, Brenda's behavior starts changing. She was once a pretty social child. As I mentioned before, she was an athlete. Now she's becoming more of a loner. Um, she also was once a good student and she starts becoming disinterested in school. This is sort of this age where she starts kind of changing her personality. It's not necessarily disturbing yet because that's a typical thing. I think when you're a preteen, yeah. you start getting hormonal and you start getting weird. At the same time, Wally's alcoholism becomes worse and he starts becoming physically violent towards Brenda and emotionally abusive as well. The older siblings kind of leave the home. So he's home alone with Brenda at this point. It's just her and him. As I said before, the mom is sort of emotionally, unava- uh, emotionally unavailable. Uh, she would later claim that not only was her dad verbally abusive uh, and physically abusive, he starts sexually abusing her as oh, well at no. this time. They live in a home that is pretty much unfurnished, except for empty alcohol bottles throughout the house and a mattress that is on the floor. <gasps> now, not a bed, just a mattress on the floor. I did, I did read one story that said it was um, on the living room floor. So I don't know what the hell was going on in this house. So she didn't even have her own room? No, she's sharing a mattress on the floor with her dad. Okay. Her dad yes. sleeping in it. Her dad and her are sleeping on a mattress on the floor together. Where are the other siblings sleeping? At this point, the other siblings are gone from the house. Like they like bailed as soon as they turned whatever, 17, 18. Yeah. So now it's just Brenda. Oh no. Who's like a preteen with her dad on a mattress on the floor. Oh no. I know. Just that alone. Now, she claims not only did he molest her, but he performed sodomy on her every night. That's her. That's what she will say later on. Um, she doesn't say anything about this at the time, but that doesn't mean anything, of obviously. Course, yeah. I'm just saying that it did come out later. Now, her mom claims that at the time she was suspicious that something was going on and that Brenda's behavior had changed, but she didn't do anything about it. She said that she didn't have the money to fight for custody of Brenda and basically just let it slide. I mean, that's a wild thing for a mom to admit later on. <laughs> like, oh, wow, that she suspected that something bad was happening. I don't understand suspecting that something's bad is happening and worrying about finances. I would be like kidnapping my daughter right. and fucking escaping and of dying course. her hair. Like, and then to just admit it casually later on is crazy to me because it's like, don't you even know enough to hide that? <laughs> like, I would never admit. I, I don't know. Like, the whole thing is such an awful... It's really awful. So now a lot of people also will describe Brenda as being her daddy's favorite. Uh, obviously, anyone who has experience in this kind of thing knows that that means jack shit. That does not mean things were bad. We're great at home. Right. Just because in public they got along great and seemed like he was a doting father. Right. Uh, So yeah, that shit is fucked up. In 1976, Brenda has a bicycle accident while driving her bike. She basically runs into a telephone pole and hits her head so hard that she blacks out. Wow. She is literally like, she had a concussion. And was not taken to the hospital. She like her, wasn't. No. Her sister threatened to take her to the hospital because the dad wasn't doing anything. and But she never ended up doing it. I wonder if the doctors would have seen yeah. signs of molestation. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's it. That's a good point. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Um, so she basically for a day or so walks around woozy, vomiting, like all the signs of a concussion. Awful. Um, after... 
her shooting spree, she will be diagnosed with a frontal lobe epilepsy, which is often sort of one of the causes can be an undiagnosed brain injury. And she does have um, a brain injury. Like it did cause this epilepsy or sort of exasperate it. So it's a very serious injury she suffered. She had zero treatment for it. And as we all know, this is a very common thing that happens to people who go on to be violent in some way. Yeah. Uh, a head injury. As I said before, she's definitely getting more introverted. Um, she does start spending a lot of time with her father. They share a pastime target shooting. He teaches Brenda how to shoot. She is described as an excellent shot and it is something she fucking enjoys. Like they'll go to their friend's house in the desert and like shoot target shooting, like shooting cans or whatever, shooting fucking cactuses. I don't know what they're doing. But she starts like bragging about her guns at school. They have a desert in Ohio? No, this is in San Diego. Wasn't she born in Ohio? You said the Cleveland school. No, it's the it's the Grover Cleveland. Oh. It's named after the president. <laughs> oh, I oh, didn't my hear God. you say Grover. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so tired. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. I was like, Ohio? What the hell? They have deserts in Ohio. <laughs> she starts bragging about guns at school, and she also starts telling people that she's taking a lot of drugs. There's no evidence that this is true as far as the, the drugs go. I yeah. think it was definitely just her bragging and trying to look cool to yeah. her friends, whatever. Now, at this time, she's still very into animals. She has a lot of pets, and she also reads and writes poetry, and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So she has a lot of sides. Now, she definitely wants to be more popular, but one of her only friends is a boy next door named Brent. He is younger than Brenda and also from a troubled family, so they have a lot in common. Right. <laughs> uh, he's basically, like her family thinks he's a bad influence on her, but in my opinion, they're just a fucking match made in hell. Now... She's kind of a follower type and had really low self-esteem. So she definitely goes along with all of Brent's escapades. Her brother describes him as Satan. And he, like I said before, he pretty much blames this guy for Brenda's getting in trouble, like what she's going to get in trouble with him. In 1978, they get caught shoplifting together. And like, that's just like, they kind of like, she says she's just standing outside. And then when he's being taken outside in handcuffs, he's like, she's with me. <laughs> so he seems like a total dick. <laughs> like, I don't know what, like, what she sees in him necessarily because they kind of always turn on each other. So she's like 16 at this point. 1978. Yeah, she might be 15 still because she's in 79, she's 16. So yeah. Uh, so they also break into the Cleveland Elementary School, which is across the way from her house yeah, and vandalize it. Now, Brenda, as I said, she denies this incident as well. A friend of theirs from school turns them in. Her name is, I think her name is Carol. I'll get to a, a little bit more about her later. She turns them in basically and they're fucking pissed. Like, you know what I mean? They're like, yeah. what narc? Like you fucking bitch. Like they hate her now. Of course. They're both arrested. And at this point she is ordered to see a counselor and she's kind of put in the juvie system. So now she has a parole officer. She also gets really into Alice Cooper and her favorite album is Killer and her favorite song is called Dead Babies. I'm sure the news loved, <laughs> loved yes, that detail. They bring up the Alice Cooper a lot. Right. And it's like. I just know this age where you're like, my favorite song's Dead Babies. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. when you're trying to be like a fucking badass, you're an abused child, you're looking for some kind of control. 
Yeah. You want people to be scared of you for once. Right. Like I just get her on that level. I mean, obviously I don't have her same issues, but like, I just know that feeling. So the dad tries to separate the two, but no, that's not happening. The other thing that bonds Brent and Brenda is they both fucking hate cops. Like they hate cops, Rachel. (laughs) They talk all the time about how pigs should die. Like that's what they call cops, pigs. (laughs) Rachel's being silent. (laughs) They watch, Brent's stepdad was a cop. So he like extra hated cops. (laughs) Like he's extra like fuck cops, my stepdad. Like how can you hate a cop more than your stepdad being a cop? Can you imagine? I mean, the worst. That is the worst. So- Brenda joins right along in hating cops. Uh, they watch TV shows that are like about cops so they can root against the cops. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just great. Like that's such a teenager thing to me. They also fantasize about killing cops. Like they're like, they make plans. Like they'll be in their car and we'll like lure them out. You'll throw eggs at the car <laughs> and I'll chase them into the public restrooms and you'll be in there with an ax. Like that's like their Whoa. level of plans. Like they're going to like lure the cop out of the car. Like that's what they sort of fantasize about. Brent eventually moves away and things kind of calm down for Brenda. She starts attending Patrick Henry High School and when she's a junior she gets really into photography which kind of makes her more interested in school. She enters a photo contest for the Humane Society and wins a grand prize. So she's kind of on the surface doing much better, but this is a deeply depressed child. Yeah. Like she is very depressed. Um, One of the teachers actually says that he always thought that she was um, asleep. Like she's just always like so not there. Yeah. Um, So in December, on December 20th of 1978, she actually goes to see her counselor who is so alarmed by the session that they have. And there's no record of what was said during this session that she sends... Brenda to a psychiatrist fearing that Brenda is suicidal. Um, nothing happens of that from that. Um, and Brenda appears happy at Christmas. She helps make dinner. She's like involved in the activities over the holidays. Um, on Christmas of 1978, Wally gives Brenda a semi-automatic 22 caliber rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition wow. for her birthday present. Dot is not happy about this gift, not because she's suicidal, but because she feels like Brenda is too young for something like this. I mean, I feel like both reasons are probably uh, good reasons. Um, the dad claims that Brenda um, begged for this this gift, but Brenda will later say, and this is a quote, I asked for a radio and he bought me a gun. When asked why her dad would have done that, she said, I felt like he wanted me to kill myself. Wow. So, yeah. Now, she begins to target shoot with her new rifle, um, and her behavior becomes more and more erratic. She is pissed about that girl who turned them in. I think her name is Carol, um, the one who turned them in when they vandalized the school. Uh, like that, that like beef for her is really building up. She um, seems to be more under the influence of drugs. Wally actually lets Brent visit to kind of make her happy. He comes on January 27th. They listen nonstop to Alice Cooper's album, Billion Dollar Babies. Um, at some point that Saturday on the tw- January 27th, they go to Carol's house and stand outside while her family are doing like outdoor chores and just stare at them. Like creepily while this family's doing chores. They like stand across the street and just stare at this family. Like, That's it. Yeah. And the family's like, you know, they're playing psychological games. They're trying to intimidate us. Right. Um, but they weren't really scared. But it was just like, 
what the fuck. Like during this visit, Brenda tells Brent that she's going to do something really big on Monday. She doesn't tell him what, um, because they always had these fantasies of things like that. He doesn't really take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point on Sunday night, Brenda asks her dad for the keys to his van. She says she's going in to get some clothes. Um, what he didn't know at the time was that that was where he kept all of his ammo. And she um, went into the car, got some clothes, and also got like over 500 more rounds of ammo from his van. Uh, the next morning on January 29th, she complains to her dad that she doesn't feel well. She said that she had really bad cramps from her period, which is typical for her. She had that monthly. Her dad says that he can st- she can stay home, and he leaves the home around 7 a.m. Brenda would later say that once he left, she started doing drugs and alcohol. Um, she said that she was smoking pot, drinking Southern Comfort, and doing angel dust. That's what the dad said. No, this is what Brenda will say later. Okay. Now, at this point, she is basically according to her, doing those things uh, and then waiting for the elementary school students to arrive while watching from her window as they began to start lining up outside in the schoolyard to enter school. Just as a point of reference, 300 students attend this school and it's like elementary school. So we're talking kindergarten to like fifth fifth grade, I think. Yeah. Um, So at 8.30 a.m., she picks up her new rifle, and she uses the butt of the rifle to smash out the front window panes in her front door, um, and she points the gun outside of these window panes and begins shooting. <gasps> now, she immediately hits three student- students. Two are age eight, and one is age nine. None of these shots are lethal, by the way. Uh, one of the eight-year Eight-year-olds is so disoriented that she actually gets up after being shot. She's bleeding and goes into her classroom and sits at her desk in shock. Like, she doesn't even tell anyone that she got shot or is injured. Um, At this point, none of the other students um, are getting that a shooting is happening. And I think we've talked about this before. Like, that is such a frightening concept to me that... That it, how long it takes you to like figure out that a shooting is happening because yeah. it's something you probably just don't think like that wouldn't be your first impulse like maybe now it would after right, everything right. but it's like this is a time where it's like no one even thought that that would be what was happening so they're just in the yard like wow playing or whatever parents are dropping kids off while the shooting is happening not realizing that that's what's happening people think it was firecrackers or a car like backfiring so like they don't that even kind of notice thing. the kids on the ground no because it's only three kids so far right like, and she is shooting the windows and like things like that as well now it's basically business as usual and then all of a sudden people fucking re- realize what's happening and panic fucking ensues now Kids began screaming. Some are frozen in fear as more kids are hit by bullets. The children who have been shot are like the first student I mentioned, kind of dazed. Some of them are just wandering around being after being shot, bleeding, and just like wandering around the yard, not even like hiding or anything. They don't know what's happening. That's an awful like thought. Um, no one knew where the shots were coming from, so right. no one even knew where to run for safety, basically. Right. They're in this open yard. Now... At some point, the principal, whose name is Burton Rag, rushes out. He's 53 years old and he's um, a veteran. So he immediately is like, I know what, this is fucking gunshot. Like, right, he I know rec- what to do. He recognizes it for what it is right away. 
Now he rushes over um, to a, sh- a student who has been shot. And while he's bending over trying to pull this student to, sh- to safety, he's shot in the heart <gasps> and is literally just bleeding everywhere. Now, as I mentioned before, windows are being shot out at this point. A teacher named Daryl Barnes runs out and sees the principal, and he gets the student that the principal was trying to save and drags him in. Um, inside, people are cowering because, like I said, the windows are being shot, so they're getting hit with glass and like right. these like uh, build rooms inside of the building. Um, a man named Mike Sukar, who is 56 years old, he is the school custodian. He runs out into the yard as well and tries to help pull the injured students in. He gets shot in the back and basically collapses right in the schoolyard. More kids are like arriving and people are literally screaming from inside, like, don't come here, like this kind of thing. Uh, but the school fire alarm is going off at this point. So it's making things even more chaotic and people can't hear. It's like disoriented. But they're basically telling people, like, don't even come to the schoolyard. But people are still walking in. Like, it's just right. a chaotic scene. At this point, Brenda actually starts shooting kids who are on the, the street, like walking to school. So she's not just focusing on the schoolyard anymore. She shot at least one girl who's walking on the sidewalk to school, wow. um, who collapses on the sidewalk. Um, more teachers run out and pull these students to safety and bullets are literally just flying everywhere. She does end up shooting over 350 rounds, (gasps) by the way. So some people speculate like if she really wanted to, she could have killed way more people because she was an expert shot. So maybe that wasn't her intention. I mean, not that I'm saying it wasn't that bad, but like it could have been like way worse. So people kind of question how, what her motivations were. Now they're kind of gathering in the auditorium because it's a room that has zero windows. So it's kind of enclosed in the safest space. They're like pushing desks against the doors and like all that kind of stuff. At this point, eight children have been shot in in addition to the two adults, the principal and the um, custodian. Now at 845, police finally arrive and Brenda stops shooting at that point. Uh, Some people said that the reason the police took so long to arrive was that the school is kind of out further than like whatever where the police station was. And that's why it took cops like a long time to get there. I mean, 15 minutes is pretty long Mm -hmm. in that kind of incident. Um, Officer Robert Robb, who is 28 years old, approaches the school. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean? Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products. Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. 
I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. Um, him and another officer. His name's Robert Rob. Yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I was. I tried to bull- bulldoze through it. <laughs> um, they see a horrifying scene. Like there's literally blood smeared everywhere. Kids are hiding in bushes. Mm. There's kids are hiding everywhere. So, Officer Rob rushes to the two adults who are alive at this point, but still, but in obviously very critical condition. This is also becoming a news story, right? Like obviously. News reporters are showing up. Helicopters are flying over. A reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune is sort of like on this case. He decides that he's going to start calling residents on the street one by one, seeing if any of them have seen anything. He calls Brenda Spencer. (gasps) At 9 a.m., he calls Brenda Spencer, and she answers the phone. Now, he doesn't know that this is the shooter. And she's been shooting for, what, an hour now? No. Oh, a half hour. It's not even a half hour because she stopped at 845. So she stopped for a bit. They still don't know where she's shooting from. Like, no one knows where these were, wow. were coming from. So she's, by the time the reporters get there and the police get there, she stopped shooting. She stopped shooting temporarily. Right. Um, she will shoot more. Now, she, he's like, who am I speaking to? She's like, I'm Brenda Spencer. I'm 16 years old. He's like, have you seen, did, have you, did you see what happened? She's like, yes, I saw the whole thing. Who did it? Uh, and she says, she says the shots came from her address. Like she gives her address. And he says, that's, isn't that your address? Uh, and she says, sure. Who do you think did it? And then she hangs up on the reporter. Now he calls back and she starts talking about how this is going to blow her dad's mind and he's going to flip out when he hears what happened. She's literally like, the description of the call is things like, she's like, hey, 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 like giggling like a little child. Whoa. Like, who do you think did it? <laughs> like this kind of sick fucking thing. He calls back the second time and she tells the reporter, um, he asks her why, tell me why you did it. Why did you do it? And that's where she says, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. Wow. So then she says that she wants to shoot a pig and she hangs up. Um, at this point, Officer Rob is waiting for ambulances, uh, and the rifle begins firing again. Now, he feels um, himself be struck in his vest. He's wearing a bulletproof vest, but the bullet ricochets off the vest and hits him in the neck. Like, it's literally um, centimeters from his spine. Wow. So he doesn't, like, die. He doesn't even have, he doesn't have, like, lifelong injuries, but he does have injuries severe enough that he's never able to work as a police officer again. Um, More cops arrive. Uh, At this point, they know where the bullets are coming from, but they're kind of stuck because they're just in this open space. Now, this is when one of the cops has a genius idea. Um, It's garbage day. 
And he goes and commandeers a garbage truck (laughs) and pulls it in front of the schoolyard, creating like a A fucking barrier from her gunshot. And that allows them to um, get the injured people into the ambulances, uh, pull more people into the safety of the school, and then evacuate them out the back door. Um, And the ambulance take off with all of the victims. Now, um, the reporter who spoke to Brenda calls her again, and she's like, I just shot a pig. I just want to get another pig. So this is after she shot Officer Rob. By 9.30 a.m., Principal Rag and Mike, Mike Sukar are declared dead at the hospital. Uh, so they don't make it. They're the only two deaths uh, in this incident. That's so um, sad. Yeah. So at this point, ne- hostage negotiators are called in. They set up like base or whatever in the Spencer, in the house next door to the Spencer house. Um, SWAT teams are everywhere. They're like on top of the school, just surrounding mm-hmm. the whole area, basically. Um, it's really quiet inside the house. So some of the people even think that maybe she escaped at some point outside the back because that's how fucking quiet it is, which is creepy after what had just happened. Yeah. At 12.06 p.m., the hostage negotiators call Brenda and she answers the phone. That is so many hours later. I know. So no one knows, by the way, what she was doing all this time, like they for those just, hours. So they're they, calling her and she's not answering. They've been camped out for those many, for yes. like three hours? Yeah. And they have no idea what's happening. Right. Um, So she, they start negotiating with her and she tells them that she'll consider turning herself in if they give her a Whopper from Burger King. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sorry. That is a detail I knew that you were going to be into. But it's like such a teen move. Like, yeah, I'll I'll surrender. Get me a Whopper. (laughs) Especially like in 1979, like it's like the most 70s burger. Although I I am going to criticize her on her choice because Whoppers don't even have cheese on them. They don't? Oh, because you have to get a Whopper with cheese. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I know I've been to Burger King. I don't even know how it stays in business. I don't either. I never go to Burger King. I think it used to be bigger back then. It, yeah, I think so. I you, think never, was, you don't hear about people going to Burger King. There is King. a Burger King in my neighborhood, but I've never gone there. I think the last time I went to Burger King because like, I want onion rings and they have onion rings. Right. <laughs> and that was like it. I went to one pretty recently and I was pretty devastated about having to go to Burger King as opposed to the other fast food options. My brother pulled into a fucking Burger King. I just, that's wild. It's like so dated to me. It, I do yeah. want to try the French toast sticks. I had I will the admit. impossible Whopper with cheese. Oh, yeah. That sounds not not for me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, she asks for that. Um, I okay. think he presses her more about that. She has to, like, you know, surrender her guns. At that point, she sees the SWAT teams everywhere, and she gets pissed. Um, she tells the lead negotiator negotiator at that point that it was fun shooting those kids in the yard they were like um shooting ducks in a pond oh real easy God. so this is just like i don't know it's kind of painful obviously this is an awful thing that she's done but this girl is just so fucking broken it's all so, around tragic and she's just so trying to be tough and like in control you know what i mean like it's just awful the whole yeah. thing is awful so she um 
starts like ranting to this guy about authority and da 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 da, like bitching about cops and just authority figures in general. She even talks about that custodian that she um, shot, and she's like, "Yeah, I've seen him in that yard trying to discipline kids, like whatever." Like, yeah. Um, and then she finally says that she has a message for him to tell her dad, and that message is, "Go get screwed." Uh, she says she has no message for her mother, who she doesn't like. Her counselor at that point is now outside her home as well. Brenda tells the guy to tell her she said hi and she wishes she was inside. She also starts bragging more to this guy about the drugs she has done. Brenda had toxicology test or whatever done on her. All of the reports come back negative. She had zero alcohol, zero drugs in her system at that time. She's trying to brag. Yeah. So none of that is true. And like, I guess there was a possibility that the toxicology reports were wrong, but not really. Like... She was lying. Like, she was not on drugs. Especially she was about the quantity of drugs she said she was on. Yeah, angel dust. Like, come on. Like, come on. So she also starts bragging about how much she loves beating up people and stealing. And it's just like all tough posturing. Um, She continues to refuse to surrender. Um, She is threatening she's going to shoot more. Uh, She tells this guy uh, she's going to shoot at police. And he's like, He's like, no, if you shoot at police, they're going to shoot back. Later, she will say that's what she wanted all along. So she's she wanted that, suicide by cop, basically. So she's telling that to the reporter? No, to the, the hostage negotiator. Okay, I'm sorry. So later on at one of her parole hearings, she will say that she wanted to commit suicide, and she knew if she shot at the school that the cops would show up, and that's how she could die. Right. But she doesn't go through with it, obviously. Now, they start telling... He's, the hostage negotiator starts telling her things like, hey, you're going to... They're going to start sending, they're going to shoot tear gas in soon if you don't like surrender soon. Your pets are inside. Like that's going to affect them. Like, so he starts kind of like threatening her with that kind of stuff. She starts asking if she's on the news. Am I on TV? Am I in the news? He's like, yes. Um, She finally surrenders at 3.09 p.m. Wow. Uh, So that's like a long, that's like a whole day. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole school day, basically. So, um, on January 30th, the next day, she is arraigned and they will try her as an adult. She is charged um, in juvie, though, with two counts of murder, and she will face life in prison with no possibility of parole. Obviously, this is a major news story. Um, her family gets death threats. The lawyer that she has receives death threats, and he eventually quits the case. Um, a lot of people are recommending that she needs to be in a mental health facility. She is diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. And that's something that's basically like someone who is like a real loner. They don't form attachments to people. And a lot of thing, a lot of those people with this disorder also have frontal lobe injuries like uh, Brenda does. Now, she's also being portrayed in the press as like literally like evil incarnate. Right. Uh, So the case does get moved to Orange County because people think she can't get a fair trial in San Diego. Now, um, she basically pleads guilty to two counts of murder. She does plead guilty. Yeah, so there is no trial. That's why there's not a lot of information. This, This case was never investigated or she was never really interviewed because there was no trial. Right. So none of that sort of like search for evidence happened. The lawyer basically convinced her to do this so she could have a possibility of parole because she could have gotten worse, I think, at that. I think it could have just been life without parole or possibly death penalty. No, death penalty was, I, I'm not sure. But he kind of was like, take this because then you have a shot at parole at least. 
Now, while she's awaiting sentencing, uh, she, she awaits sentencing in the San Diego Juvenile Hall. Okay, this is a fucked up thing. While she's um, awaiting sentence, sentencing in juvie, her dad starts visiting her there. Her mom like does not visit her. Her dad meets a girl there who is 17 years old. She eventually runs away from custody. And when they find her, she um, has married Brenda's dad, (gasps) who was 41 years old at this time. That is disgusting. Now, this girl's mom gave her consent, by the way, for them to get married because she was 17. So she's underage. Isn't that disgusting? Even more disgusting, Rachel, she looks so much like Brenda that people thought she had been released from jail and was living with her dad again. Disgusting. <laughs> so that kind of gives a lot of credence to her charges of sexual abuse. Yeah. Not that I didn't believe her, because I definitely did. Uh, his new wife is already pregnant. Um, she gives birth to the baby, who is a daughter, and abandons the baby with Wally shortly after the baby is born. Whoa. Like, Why? Isn't that like awful? I couldn't find out more information oh on what happened there, God. but that just seems like great. great. Give a child molester a baby. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, what? No, oh, it's so gross. I'm just horrified. I don't even want to know. Um, although Brenda does say she has a good relationship with her dad later on, so who the hell knows? But whatever. It's a weird fucking situation. Now, on April 4th, 1980, a day after her 18th birthday, she's sentenced to 25 years to life, and then she is serving that at the California Institution Institution for Women in Chino, where she is to this day. Now, as I mentioned before, she is eligible for parole. Her first parole hearing was in 1993. Um, As of December 2015, she had four unsuccessful parole board hearings. Uh, The one in 2005... um, she had she had several suicide attempts, uh, and that was sort of the reason she was denied parole at that time. They were claiming that when her girlfriend was released from jail... Oh, by the way, uh, she is gay, and I am only bringing that up because she claims that she knew she was gay her whole life, and I do feel like that probably caused her extra shame and stress because it right. was like just that period where she didn't feel comfortable coming out of with course. it. So she did come out at some point while she was in prison and she had a girlfriend uh, who got released from jail. Um, she com- tried to commit suicide when that girlfriend was let, uh, let out because she was depressed um, and that the self-harm she was doing was particularly like disturbing uh, it was suicide, but she also cut into her um, flesh words like courage, pride. Um, Spencer would correct at the parole hearing, and she said that um, they actually read for unforgiven and alone. So that's pretty sad. I mean, this woman needs more help, maybe, and I hope she's getting it. Um, she's next eligible for parole in September of 2021. Now, um, Brenda feels a lot of guilt about her school shooting and what she did. And she says that every time she hears about a new school school shooting, she feels partially responsible and wonders if they got the idea from what she did. Wow. Now, I'm going to get into um, the song because that's pretty much the end of Brenda's story. Just a fucking awful situation. Now, this song became a hit in the UK and like Europe uh, while Brenda was like before she was going to go to trial. So what year was this? The song literally came out the same year the shooting happened. 1979. Yes. So in the summer of 79, the Boomtown Rats released I Don't Like Mondays 
in like the UK. It hadn't been released in America. Her lawyers actually tried to stop the record from being released in America before the trial. Before the trial, because right. they thought it was too inflammatory. They didn't win that case, by the way, and it was released. But she wow. didn't go on trial, and I feel like that was another reason. He's like, we can't. You can't go on trial because just of take the song. this plea. Well, the song and all of the press was just so negative. Uh, of like, course. So I have a question then about the song. So th- then this case must have been wasn't just uh, national news. This was international. Well, I'm going to get into that. Bob Geldof happened to be in Georgia when this song. So he was in the United States when this story broke. So I don't know that it was international, but he was in America uh, doing a campus radio interview at Georgia State University when the shooting spree happened. Um, was Bob Geldof in the Boomtown Rats? Yes, he's like the main guy um, of the Boom. He's like the lead singer and the songwriter. Now he, this is his explanation of what was happening. I was doing a radio interview in Atlanta with Johnny Fingers, who is another band member. <laughs> Johnny Fingers. Um, and there was a telex machine beside, beside me. I read it as it came out. Not liking Mondays as a reason for doing somebody in is a bit strange. I was thinking about it on the way back to the hotel, and I just said, silicon chip inside her head had switched to overload. I wrote that down, and the journalist interviewing her said, tell me why. It was such a senseless act. It was the perfect senseless act, and this was the perfect senseless reason for doing it. So perhaps I wrote the perfect senseless song to illustrate it. It wasn't an attempt to exploit tragedy. Now, um, as I said the song was really successful in the UK and Europe. It wasn't as successful in the America. It was like a top 40 hit. And then I think it's become bigger after the fact. Um, in later years, Geldof has admitted that he regrets writing the song. Um, he said that Spencer wrote to him after the song came out saying she was glad she had done it because it, I'd made her famous, which is not a good thing to live with. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... The song is um, basically about a school shooting, but it's not really specific to Brenda, except for the fact that it's a school shooting. And then the chorus is, I don't like Monday. And the the shout out in the chorus is like, tell me why. So that's like said over and over in the song uh, as well. So uh, yeah, that's sort of how the song came about. It's basically about... It's about her. I mean, the whole... The whole thing, the whole title is like, it wouldn't have happened without her. Right. So he basically changed some of the details because he made it more lyrical or whatever. Like, Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a troubled person who would do something like that. Yeah. But I don't think I knew the extent of her history uh, as far as her abuse. I'm shocked that there was so much information on her history. Also, the story with the dad... Oh fucking the God. the juvie girl <laughs> like that's, that was insane like i was like that's like a that is a whole i want a whole chapter on that but i couldn't find more information i need to know more information about but that but I, I don't know whatever happened to her and like the other thing that's wild is like she's like 56 like she's not even old like she's still like youngish like right cuz she's just been in prison her whole fucking life like wow uh so i don't know I don't know. It's really sad. It's really I mean, sad. it's a sad case. And the and the the children, by the way, <clears throat> I read a lot of their uh, statements at the parole hearings. They are fucked up from this. So she created a lot of fucking damage. Like That's it's true. just a tricky. I don't know. Like they're still 
suffering from this incident. Like that happened to them as children and they're still living with the effects of it. So it's like, I definitely can see people's opinion where like they don't get to have a relief from that. Like, I don't know. It's tricky. They have post-traumatic stress, all those kids. And as we all know, yeah, some people deal with it and some people don't. Right. And it's like, for whatever reasons, they can't have access to healthcare. They don't have the money or some people just don't want to treat that stuff because it's painful. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah. It's just really awful. Well, I'm uh, glad that we uh, got to kick off music versus reality. I know. I'm tonight. excited. I already saw like five songs I want to do. Okay. I want to <laughs> do the next one because I have ideas too. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's not going to be next week, but the no. next time we do one. Yeah. I think it's a good one. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, it's kind of opening things up a bit. Maybe so. I'll do one next month. Yeah. I want to hear it. Okay, cool. Okay. Bye. Bye. You dumb bitch. <laughs>